Hebrews chapter 10 this morning. Hebrews chapter 10. I'll be reading from verses 32 to 24. Probably that's what we'll have time for. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 32 to 34. But call to remembrance... The former days in which after you were illuminated, you endure a great fight of afflictions, partly while you were made gazing stocks both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while he became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. One of the most painful things that has happened to me was that I was disowned by my father for many years, probably the first 18 years of my life. In fact, I can recall twice at age 10 and 13, he told me face to face, you're not my son. And Looking back then, my mom was sick all the time, and so I never had the luxury of growing up with my mom. My grandmother took me and raised me and made me the man that I am. But out of that painful and shameful situation, my father had, uh, my father has three brothers, four sisters. And they all came together and took me as their son. And I'm from the island. I'm from St. Vincent. They lived in New York. And as a result of taking me as their own, there was nothing that I want that they didn't give to me. And so I used to joke with my mom and say, you know what? I'm so thankful my father disowned me. Because the last time I, I checked, eight is better than one. And whereas my father gave me absolutely nothing, his brothers and his sister, they all chipped in and give me everything and raised me and take me as their own. And so I never really had to feel the pain on my own of being disowned by my father. In fact, 
I gladly look forward to those days when my aunties and my uncles will say, you are my child. I don't know if that story is a good way of illustrating this text, but there, there is a group of believers here who went through a very difficult period in their life. In fact, the scripture calls it a great fight of afflictions. They came to the full knowledge of truth as the scripture caused them to remember the former days in which they were illuminated. Um, some see this as their conversion, but I, I see it deeper that this was a period when these people came to full knowledge of the truth, the gospel of the kingdom which Jesus Christ had presented and was taken by the apostles and delivered to these people. They came to full knowledge of that truth. And as a result of that, they were exposed to all sorts of hardship and difficulties by their stand for that truth. That truth did something to them internally. Light was shed inwardly and outwardly. And as they, they, they started to express the realities of that truth in their life. And it is quite obvious they would have said things and done things that became politically incorrect in the time that they were living in. And it is because of that truth, their lives were surrounded with great difficulties, hardship. We know in Scripture, especially the New Testament, that exposure to truth brings with it a certain level of accountability, but also a certain level of difficulty. You see, truth in the New Testament exposes sin. Truth expels darkness. It also explains the confusion that man has found himself in. But at the same time, not everybody is willing to accept the truth. In fact, when you and I, like these believers, stand for what is right, and you live that out, then you expose yourself to great difficulties. And this is what was happening. Those on the contrary path, would always scoff at the truth. And by scoffing, they started to insult these believers. In fact, the scripture teaches how they were afflicted. He says, partly while being made gazing stock, they became a public spectacle. They were reproached or insulted threatened. They were also afflicted or mistreated. 
So much so that part of their afflictions, some of these believers end up in prison. You will note that the scripture teaches us that they had a great fight. The word fight here means a contest. They were challenged on the basis of their faith. But we know from the text that they endure such affliction. Enduring here means that they remain steadfast as the word is used in Acts chapter 17 verse 14. They stayed behind the truth as the word is used in Luke 2.43. In James 5.11, that word endure is used to me, remain steadfast. And this was what those believers were doing amidst the difficulties, amidst the insults, amidst the affliction, amidst all that was happening, the shame, because everything here was, 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 um, was happening in the public. They were, they were made gazing stock. They were publicly ex, ex, um, insulted. They were publicly afflicted. They were publicly shamed. Everything was in the open, nothing to hide. But these believers, the scripture teaches us, they endured, they stood their ground, they stood steadfast to the truth. And shame, pain, and difficulties did not allow them to shrink back. In fact, they moved forward embracing truth. They were thrown in prison. And when they were thrown in prison, those who showed up, because the scripture says they, 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 they even, some of them had compassion on those who were thrown in prison. When they, we have to understand here that this is not like prison today. I mean, back home, I have friends who will tell me that, you know what? They prefer to be in prison. Food is free. Everything is free there. You're well taken care of. You don't have to walk. You just sit in a room and you eat. And I don't know, you see people coming from prison. They will leave really, really slim and they're coming back fat. I mean. <laughs> but in those days, prison was not like that. When a person is placed in prison... If your loved ones or your friend do, um, does not show up and give you something to eat, then you have nothing to eat. The state will not take care of you. And so these believers, those who were thrown in prison, they would show up and they would have compassion and then probably take them a meal or something. But by doing that, what these believers were saying, we are also guilty of whatever charge that is brought against those who are placed in prison. As a result of that, notice what the scripture says. Their properties were being plundered. Their goods were spoiled. A different translation had it as their, their properties, their possessions, everything that they call their earthly old was spoiled 
Their houses would have been seized and their properties. Probably whatever other possessions that they had would have been taken away by just merely showing up and associating themselves with those who were placed in prison. I want us to put ourselves in a situation like this, where because of our stand for truth and our willingness to live out truth, Everybody in Chattanooga is coming at you. You're being insulted. You're being maligned, mocked, ridiculed. And you really can't do anything about it. In fact, some of these people that are ridiculing and mocking and maligning may have been family members. People who you once walk with and talk with and laugh with. And added to that, you're thrown in a state penitentiary. For what? What is the crime? Standing for truth. I'm sure those of us who enjoy comfort, this would be something very difficult for us to take. But that was the reality of this believing community. And I want us to understand this. This is what happens when people who are brought to truth live out truth. To live godly, there is a certain level of persecution that will come our way. Because godliness means that we are not better than others or less off than others. We are different. And difference have a way of exposing us. Because if, if everybody is going this way and you are going that way, then you are singled out. You can't hide everybody know who you are. And so after being exposed like that and suffered like that, what amazes me here is the attitude of these believers. Notice what the scripture teaches us. In verse 34, they took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that you have in heaven a better, a better and enduring substance. I don't want us to be misled here. I think it is important that I say, as I look at this in what will be the original scriptures, I think a better way of bringing forth the, the point that the author is trying to make here because the, the word heaven is not even in the Greek. What the scripture is literally saying that these people knew that they had a lasting and better reward. 
Thus, on the basis of that knowledge, they took joyfully this plundering or the spoiling of whatever earthly possession they had. Now, even though that was the attitude, I want us to understand that that possession, that lasting and better in her, uh, reward was not something that they, that they possessed in the now. It was something that they were looking forward to in the future. But yet, by faith, they were convinced that this is ours on the basis of how we have lived our lives. This is ours, and so they look forward to that with joy. They took the spoiling of their goods with joy. Isn't that what Jesus Christ was teaching us? You read the gospel and the way he prepared his disciples for this kind of a journey, this kind of a life. He said, rejoice when you are treated this way. When you see all of your possessions are in flame and you are receiving the seizure of your properties, rejoice. Now I'll say to us this morning, and I'll be the first to admit, rejoicing under circumstances like these, it is not easy. It is easy to say it, but to live it, it is very difficult. Just think about your home, your finances, your vehicle, everything is taken away from you at this moment. How many of us will rejoice? I mean, I get upset when my favorite shirt is, I'm outgrowing my favorite shirt. This is not some kind of humanistic response. This response was met with the Holy Spirit and a love for God and His truth. This response was faith in, 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 in the power of God, in the one who promised. This response, brothers and sisters, can only be possible by not just knowing truth, but by believing truth. You see, knowing and believing is two different things. I have a two-year-old boy. He knows if he go to the stove while it is lit and put his finger there, he's going to get born. But that knowledge will not stop him from trying. It is not until the fire burned him that he really understand. It is only when his fingers are born that knowledge becomes faith. And I really think as I look at my life and I, I think as I look at 
the life of many Christians that have crossed paths with. We know a lot of things about Scripture, about Christ, but we have yet to believe what we know. The difference with these believers, this was not just knowledge. This was faith. And from the New Testament, we have often seen faith leads to what? Obedience. That was the first church song that I've learned. Obedience is the very best way to show that what? We believe. If what you know is not producing obedience, then it is not a faith. It is not faith. It is just knowledge. These people knew by faith that they had something. Notice, qualitatively, it was better. They knew that. They had something that is what? Better and it is enduring. It is lasting. I mean, isn't that what all of us look forward to? The best. When they look at their possessions that were in flame and they look at the eternal reward that lies before them, they said, you know what? Goodbye world. This thing is better. And so they took it joyfully. They won the throng. They took it joyfully because then they were brought into the reality I'm now standing with Jesus. I'm obeying his word. This is what he was talking about. This is what it feels like. And they took that joyfully. That was the attitude. But the question is, where such joy and where this kind of a compassion springs from. And I believe that such joy and such compassion can only come from a walk, a daily walk with Jesus. Walking with him in the light of his word. This can only come from that. A deep-seated fellowship and satisfaction with Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so the psychological dynamics of joy and the compassion that was here, it came from this life of living and walking with the Lord Jesus Christ. And one thing I've seen and understand from my very life, because the reality is, when difficulties come, I want to respond this way. But I also know that my response will never be like this if I'm not in fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If I'm not taking Him at His word, Believing what he says is true. Claiming his promises. And even when I messed up, 
One thing scripture has guaranteed me is that even in my unbelief, it will not change the promises of God. Because God's word is always true and his promises are always true. Even in my unbelief, that will not change. And so my response has to be coming to him and taking him at his word. Just like these believers, that's what they did. Thus, they labored. They suffered. They took insults, imprisonment, the spoiling of their goods. They rejoice in the face of all of this. What motivated them was that which was promised from the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, <laughs> we in our circle talk a lot about kingdom and reigning with Christ and all of that stuff. But you know, we look forward to the destination, but oh, how we fight against the journey. And you and, I, you and I notice that the journey is never easy. I mean, even leaving St. Vincent to come in here, the journey, I mean, you keep hopping from airport to airport. Some of my friends had to pay for their, their luggage twice. <laughs> That's not fun. The plane ride can get a little bumpy. The journey is never fun. But one thing I'm learning, if I'm faithful, I'm going to get everything that the destination has promised. But I think Christ wants us to also enjoy the ride. And I think at times because our gaze is fixed on the destination and we think about the destination, we forget to enjoy the presence of Jesus amid the journey. And once we do that, I guarantee you every believer thinks about the destination. Even if there will not be a reward there for them because of the way they live. And I think we forfeit that reward most of the time, even though we think about it, because we have not yet learned to enjoy the ride with the presence of Jesus. And we take our eyes off him, and that's when we enter into the flesh. And we live our lives just thinking about our happiness because we fail to enjoy the presence of Jesus. In fact, sometimes we live as if the promise is not true. 
I want to encourage us this morning to enjoy the process. We're going to get there. <laughs> That's promise. But enjoy the process. These people, they enjoyed it. They rise to the occasion and they enjoy the process. Our challenge, I think, this morning has to be that of verse 35. Cast not away, therefore, in light of that reality, cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which have a great recompense of reward. See, that courage that we possess and we once expressed, don't give up on that. Cast not away that confidence. The promise is still true. Borrowing words from Hebrews, we need then to labor to enter into that rest. Lest this promise left us from entering. Cast not away, brothers and sisters, your confidence, your courage. Let us continue to be steadfast amidst whatever difficulty that will come. I had every opportunity to be bitter and sad and gloomy because of some things that are played out right now in my life as it relates to ministry and the college that I was teaching. But I can't read a text like this and respond in bitterness. I can't read a text like this and respond in sadness. I'm not there yet. <laughs> if I had my way, I'd probably do things a little differently, but because the promise is true, and because I know the one who promised, the one who promises not somebody like me. <laughs> He's truthful and he's reliable because I know the one who promised. Brothers and sisters, our only response should be staying true. Fixing our gaze on Jesus. And come what may, regardless of what will happen in our life because of our standing for the truth. Let us gladly accept that and do not shrink back from standing publicly and proclaiming that truth. Because the very things that we are trying to grab onto and save ourselves from, in fact, we know from Scripture those who would save their lives will what? Lose it. And the very things that we are holding on to might be the thing 
that will cause us to lose it all in the end. We love to be rewarded. I think that is true of everyone here. We love to be rewarded. But you notice, the only place the reward comes before the walk is in the dictionary. That means not a reality. You don't get the reward and then walk. You have to put in the sweat and then you are rewarded. We love the reward. Let us labor for it. And part of our laboring is really, this is about attitude now. It is not about belief and all of that stuff. It's about attitude. It's about compassion to those who are hurting. It's about joy amidst difficulty. It's about faith in the promise of our Lord Jesus Christ, that which he has given to us. And this is where the battle is going to be fought, and this is where it's going to be won. Not about what we know, or even what we believe. Now, it's about faith in Jesus Christ. Compassion for those who are suffering. Joy amidst difficulties in our life. And that's what many of us don't think about because we want to win. And in winning, we want to do it on our own terms. But I guarantee you this morning that there will be no reward without this joy without this kind of a compassion, and without faith in Jesus Christ. Faith has always been the victory. And that's my challenge to us. Probably 15 minutes before time. That means when I come, you might probably give me another opportunity. <laughs> Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would use it Not just to challenge us, or store us, but to transform us into the image of your dear Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask that you would have your way. Change our hearts, O oh Lord. And help us, O oh God, to courageously stand amidst the difficulties in our lives. Standing true to your name and to the cause of Christ. And as we are standing, Father, we pray that you would give us strength. That your grace would be 
prove to be sufficient in all our difficulties. Under your word, we pray and grant it success. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.